Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. We're happy to be here with you. As always, another great episode coming your way. Hopefully a great episode. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be stellar. We hope. How you been, Father Shane? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we are, we're working our way through the Lenten season here. We are nearing the climax of Holy Week and a lot of graces are flowing and it's it's nice to see so many people coming back to Mass. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's Catholic guilt, but I don't care because they. I think there was a sense that I need to get back to Mass. Lent um, was a good time. Lent's a good to time to, to, for renewal. And obviously, at least here in our neck of the woods, can't speak for the whole country or the whole world, but in our neck of the woods, uh, the pandemic numbers are decreasing, praise God. People feel a little bit better. Yeah, and vaccines are rolling out, so we've got a lot to be grateful for in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Father Travis, recently I got an email from one of our devoted listeners, mm-hmm. a student over in Illinois, and um, a question came up among this listener and uh, that social group, and the question was, why can't Catholics go to confession over Zoom? Mm. I mean, during the pandemic, everything has been happening via Zoom. Right. We have transferred like... Happy hours. That, those can happen. Over Everything. Zoom whole now. careers have whole been transferred careers. onto Zoom. I got a grad school degree over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a t-shirt in Ray Gunn in Des Moines, that, that fun store. Sure. And it said Zoom University 2020. I was like, I literally need that. Yeah. I, I earned a degree through Zoom classes. You need a bumper sticker. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So it's a great question because mm. so much has happened over Zoom. Spiritual direction happens over Zoom. I did a retreat over Zoom. Sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think so many people forget about, while it would be incredibly convenient, yeah, uh, it's also very risky for the penitent. I mean, priests don't have a whole lot to lose in terms of our spiritual counsel and giving right. absolution and a penance. But for any kind of electronic means of communication that gets hacked into or tapped, mm-hmm. uh, just think about that. Do you want all of your sins being hacked into by someone, you know, in the dark web? Right. So it's it's a bit of um a concern for anyone's, you know, just privacy and security. But I think the deeper thing also has to look at what does it mean to have a community experience right. when, when sacraments are celebrated? You know, there's there's a physicality towards pouring water over a baby's head with confession, or excuse me, with baptism. There's anointings that happen. Priests extend their hands over bread and wine with the consecration of the Eucharist. There's physical gestures and people come together to actually build physical community with one another. And I don't think that that, uh, that physicality or the communitarian aspect can be really lost when we look at the celebration yeah. of these sacraments. Yeah, and the whole like, like a sacramental worldview that comes through the incarnation is just that God became man. So that means that the things of this world take on new meaning. So then these sacramental signs and symbols we use, some of them actually become the means by which grace is communicated. Right. So it's so hard because we've lost like, we don't really have much of an incarnational worldview when we can do everything virtually. Mm-hmm. But I think people who've had that experience of coming back to Mass and receiving, especially the Eucharist, for the first time in a long time, they realize very like intuitively that this there's something very different from being in this church, celebrating the sacraments, not just receiving the Lord's body and blood mm-hmm. like physically um, through the like veiled presence of bread and wine, 
where you taste and smell and but to yeah to be present in a church is different and it's this incarnational reality that Jesus became man he established a church in the world with real people mm-hmm. that communicate what he communicated through the senses and they and they praise with one voice mm-hmm. joining their worship to the one voice of of the angels and saints in heaven mm-hmm. there's a you know there's a cosmic reality going on there is the the church on earth unites with the church of heaven in one act of praise it's hard to do that via Zoom, right? You know. Well, you know, I'm I'm even thinking right now that even um, hermits, ancient. This goes way back. This is, isn't even just modern contemporary stuff. It, even if they would live that intentional life of solitude in like a hermitage or something like that by themselves, they would go to the sacraments. They'd receive the sacraments from people. They wouldn't just have this kind of uh, distance virtual confession or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. So I hope that helps our listeners. Any other questions that come up, don't hesitate to email it. Email us at outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Good spot, yeah. yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about another question that came my way via um, a class I was teaching for some of the seniors, a government class, and you know, we were chatting about the five non-negotiables for Catholics when they vote that the Bishops' Conference has given us. This is some pretty controversial topics let's see if i can remember them abortion euthanasia uh human cloning embryonic stem cell research and same-sex marriage so Mm -hmm. it's like all the hot topics right right we're talking through that and at the very end i didn't have a chance to answer this question so i don't think the the person who asked will be listening but to kind of try to answer that question the very end they just kind of pose this question well after hearing all of these you know after i was explaining kind of the morality behind it the philosophy and theology of these different big moral issues they just said well why why do i what if i'm just not religious i want to be a good person i'm i might even want to follow some of these these moral teachings of the church but i just i just don't want to I'm just not a religious person i just don't want to be a part of this religion mm-hmm. this kind of goes back to your i love jesus but hate religion thing but this is almost like the next step away from that right um i want to do all the good things that jesus talked about Sure, I want to do the other good things that humanity just sees as good things. Um, but why do I need, I don't really want the whole faith component side of things. Why can't I just be a good person? Right. Well, and I would say to that person on one level, praise God. Maybe they don't want to recognize God, but I would. Praise good God. Good on you. Right. Good on you, mate, right, as the that, Aussies would say. would say that. Um, good for that person for at least recognizing by conscience that they actually want to be a good person. Yeah. You know, obviously, God is speaking to them through their conscience to like pursue good and avoid evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that itself is at least a response to an initial step of grace, just by listening to their own conscience. I would call it. Uh, I would summarize it as probably ethical humanism. Sure. You know, I, I want to make ethical decisions, and I'm all about humanity, and I want humanity to thrive, and I want the the arts and the sciences to uh, you know make man look great. Right. Uh, and we probably better do that ethically because if not, well, we'll just terrorize each other. That that base level of ethical humanism is something that I think many people strive for across you know Western civilization, almost perhaps worldwide now. Right. Um, so they're not alone. Th- that that can be a good helpful starting point. Um, but <laughs> mm-hmm. what what does it what does it leave out? Right. Uh, it leaves out a quest for holiness to live beyond oneself. It leaves out that there is a transcendent God mm-hmm. that is calling us to himself. It also leaves out all of divine revelation mm-hmm. that God actually like revealed himself. He called a chosen people to himself through Abraham. 
and then came to on earth to redeem us being born in Bethlehem and, and crucified at Calvary. Ethical humanists will want to just ignore all of that, which right. is like the richest part of creation. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the best part of humanity's story. Mm-hmm. We were actually created and redeemed as opposed to we're created and maybe we should make good choices. Right. You know, like the story gets better. Keep going. Yeah, it's so prevalent in like pop culture too. I just noticed the past couple of years, all of these, you know, coffee mugs and on the tumblers and on the t-shirts, just, just be kind. Mm-hmm. Good vibes only. Right. It's, that's that's ethical humanism on like a right. pop culture side of things. It's like coexist. Ju- just be a just be cool. Like why you gotta be so mean? Why you gotta be so mad, bro? You mad, bro? Like that kind of stuff. It's like just just like be just be nice. And the the two thoughts that come to my mind, and this isn't to like bash anybody with that ethical humanism kind of leanings. The two questions that come to my mind are why? Like why do that? Mm-hmm. Why why be nice to people? Why? be this kind of ethical humanism like why do that at all and the second question that i'd have is is that possible to do that without grace Mm. and maybe it is for some people maybe there is just the the natural virtues that are are built up over time but that that bigger question of why i I think it's clear in in different um in different times and i remember this is i'll bring up some chesterton now like the one book i read the everlasting man Ooh, classic right when he's talking about Okay, let's look at um, let's look at history because often people within a Christendom culture can look at history in the context of Christianity and say, "Well, like you know, people outside of of, Christi- of a Christendom would obviously be better than than us or something." Mm-hmm. Um, or look at us; we're we're so much more advanced than those ancient people. And I love that that point that Chesterton makes, where he said, "Look at prehistoric man." This idea that um, this idea that we're just like good on our own and can do things. He's like, no, no, no. There's we're talking like child sacrifice that's happened throughout the world mm-hmm. um, that comes about through man just trying to figure things out on his own. Um, I probably botched that kind of reference to Chester there, but no, he was all about talking about human sacrifices of ancient cultures. But go ahead, right? Um, <laughs> that's where that that's where that kind of ended okay. in my thought. So, <laughs> well, take it away. I would say. Um, is that even possible for someone to lead a completely ethical life? Uh, well, there's always going to be created grace, whether someone is recognized it or not. Yeah. You know, God the Creator is always endowing us with created grace, drawing us closer to Himself, even if we don't recognize it or even if we want to refuse it. Mm-hmm. That created grace is going to be operating in very subtle ways in all of our lives, mm-hmm. recognized or not. So, from a theological perspective, I don't think we would even say that it's possible to do it on your own. At the same time, Plenty of the saints and great theologians, doctors of the church, have, in a sense, kind of, for lack of a better term, kind of canonized kind of pre-Christian figures, right? Sure. You know, obviously, um, obviously, Thomas Aquinas is going to lead pretty heavily on Aristotle, right? right? Um, You can go to the Vatican Museums, and you're going to see a lot of the great Renaissance artists will have painted into... uh, you know, ceilings or frescoes or whatever, not only figures of the Old Testament, but also some of the great Greek minds of the ancient world sure. who were on their way towards truth. And that, that discovery and that quest towards truth, towards the logos, if you will, really helped open up Greek and Roman culture to the fullness of divine truth with mm-hmm. Jesus, who is logos, right? right? 
So there were there were kind of seeds of the word, if you would, if you will, right. that were clearly pointing people towards the discovery of the fullness of the truth. Um, so in a sense, that I think we could say that ethical humanists are on can be on the right path, but that's an arrow, that's a direction, that's a that's a quest, if you will, that is ordered towards a person. Right. But I feel like even those even those big minds, they would note that they're not perfect. And that they're striving for a kind of humanist virtue, it's it's not without like hiccups and it's difficult, right? Um, I, so that's what I just wonder is the the great saints would recognize their own sinfulness and sinfulness not simply being like these arbitrary church laws that are difficult to fulfill and then they're like oh I couldn't fulfill that this week I accidentally ate meat on Friday or something like I'm trying to love like Christ loves. And I fall short because I'm selfish. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look, I see that in myself. I see that in the saints, that there's this struggle with selfishness. That's, that's the struggle of the human condition. Okay, like how does the ethical humanist struggle with selfishness? Is it perfectly overcomable? I don't think so. Right. They might come back at you and just like in a, in a pragmatist viewpoint, right. just come back and say, well, no, I, I struggle with selfishness too, but... We all just need to kind of suck it up. Otherwise, we're just going to always fight each other and have civil war. Right. So we just need to do the best we can just to avoid civil wars just so that we can make money and find pleasure. I think yeah, the, the, yeah. Practi- the pragmatist is going to come back at you probably with that perspective. And that's, yeah, and that's helpful. And frankly, that's like, that's kind of just the MO of our culture right now. Sure. It's like, that's what, that's what we want. Just, right. just earthly goods. Right. Just everyone back to your corner. Don't step on too many toes so that we can all try and soak up as many earthly goods as we can yeah you know, and avoid civil war. You were mentioning though at the beginning that there, there's a lack of transcendence there and talking, as you just mentioned, different works of art that exemplify beauty and thinking especially of the, you know, with Notre Dame um, Cathedral in France burning down a few years back now, mm-hmm. those incredible works of architecture that still stand in Europe, um, incredible paintings that are, that are in museums or still in churches around so many of those came out of a, a Christian worldview with, a, with, a, with an eye towards the transcendent and toward mm-hmm. the eternal. Mm-hmm. So the question would be then, like, clearly there's something more. And could those buildings have just come out of an ethical humanism? I don't think so. And it seems like ethical humanists, they look at that and they say, well, that's beautiful. There's something there that evokes something more than me from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so maybe that's tapping into there. there is a desire for the transcendent. You're right. I think that's I think that's innate within every person, whether they want to recognize it or not. I think many choose not to recognize that mm. because why? Mm. They're so darn scared of what it's going to cost them. Mm. Like what earthly like if I actually get serious about opening myself up to a transcendent God, this God, this overarching being who kind of governs and rules my life, well then he's going to take away my fun. Mm. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. if I if I really get close to this transcendent God, I'm going to have to sacrifice something, and then I might actually become like a God freak, and then I might actually desire to get holy, but that's not going to be fun, and then I'm going to be miserable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think there's this sense that um, if you get close to God, well, then you actually just check out on this world, and that's not true. Yes, we we want to die to this world and its sinfulness. But we also want to light this world on fire with the presence of God, right? You know, and animate it from within. Um, yeah, I love that. That's like the classic Catholic both and there. That there's okay, there is this like reality of struggle for sin that we can't overcome by ourselves. But the glory that's that's presented through Revelation 
is so much better than the best pleasures of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, not just some pie in the sky, like to experience like being loved as a beloved son or daughter of God, like that roots you in that identity that doesn't crumble when you fail at a sport or at some sort of competition or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you don't get the promotion you want, like when your ambition's stifled, you're not completely crushed. Mm-hmm. Like there's something more that we right. receive from from the Christian revelation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's far beyond just trying to be an ethical humanist. So, you know, to our listeners out there who probably are surrounded by a lot of these ethical humanists, we might even have some who are listening in right now. Welcome, who are ethical yeah, humanists. Yes, welcome welcome to the club. Because there's a lot of people who are, who are in that position, family members, friends, maybe even our listeners' hearts even struggle in that same way. Can I just be a good person? Can I just be a nice person? Get to heaven, call it good. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the Gospels do say, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's going to, that's going to yes, require some sacrifice. It's going to require a disciplined life towards holiness. But what does that also open up? It also opens up a relationship to a person. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's communion to be had with the divine being. He's not on a cloud just kind of watching your life as this moral sovereign to punish you somehow. He's actually interested in a, in a deep and abiding relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And he, sa- he wants to send his spirit to actually light you on fire. Right. right. That isn't to be feared. Yeah. It's actually to be craved. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and then the, the beautiful thing is that I've seen in my life and lives of those who are striving for holiness that are really inspiring is that then you don't move from just pleasure to pleasure with a lot of boring time spent in between. I, out of my window at the rectory, I saw this like... <laughs> Like, I don't know, like a sixth grade boy, clearly just bored out of his mind in his front yard, just throwing a ball around because nobody was there to play with. Or just anything. played catch by just, himself. Just was like thrown <laughs> on the ground and walked to it and thrown around and then just sat in a chair and stared for a while. But like, that's how people can feel. It's just kind of like boring downtime in between high pleasurable moments. Sure. Whereas when, when you're invited into this like dynamic relationship with the person of Jesus mm-hmm. who invites you into this like constant revelation of who he is and who you are. That's a bit better than sitting around throwing a ball, ball in the yard. Right. Absolutely. Poor kid. Yeah. If that family's listening, find your child some friends, please. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't want this, the, these, these discussions to sound like we're like, you know, coming down on people. Cause those are like legitimate, uh, just that's the legitimate reality that we experience. Right. But that's what people have experienced all the time. Right. Um, this, this desire for earthly goods. And then God comes in and says, no, there's actually something more mm-hmm. um, and exciting mm-hmm. that, can, that can come with that. Right. Good discussion to all of our ethical humanists out there. Hope this has been helpful. If it hasn't, if you want further discussion points or clarifications, reach out to us. We'd be happy to discuss this further. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, so I don't forget because they asked for it mm-hmm. really, really like really asking for the shout out, um, shout out to the, to the Heal and Huddle guys, your your men's group. Oh, sure. With, All the men group. Helped out with a uh, Theology on Tap. It was a really good time, really good, good conversation. But they were really wanting that shout-out. So here it is for you. Wonderful. Hope, hope you enjoy that, yeah. Thanks, Heal and Huddle. Absolutely. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. And uh, God bless. Keep, keep desiring for something more because God always has something more to give us. Mm-hmm. Good being with you, Father Travis. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.